World Wide Web has long been host to copied and pasted stories of an apocryphal nature. These stories came to be known as Copyvasta, and then the creepy variant emerged. Welcome to Creepy Podsta, the Creepy Pasta Podcast. Good morning, Creepypodsta fans. It's not probably not morning when you're listening to this, unless you're downloading it and listening to it immediately, because it goes up at like 10 a.m. or something. I don't know. The uh, My website's time zone is wrong, and I just type in 1313 for the time, and it goes up at some time in the morning. Uh, that's only for this show, because that's a spooky time. All the other shows go up at 420. <laughs> uh, so this is Creepypasta, you know what it's all about, because I just said it in the brand new intro that I recorded over our brand new theme song by, uh, I want to call him brand new, but he's not, just so that I could have three, because good jokes are in threes, uh, by brand new human being Matt Holt, uh, he's not brand new. Uh, I, pr- I'll, this will be episode 51 or 52, I'll have already premiered that new theme song in episode 50, even though I forgot to mention it while recording that, uh, so there will be some, you'll, uh, you are, you, if you're listening to this, you already know, because you already listened to episode 50, uh, it's not out yet at this point. Anyway, this episode of this show is not about that. About what? What am I saying? Uh, this is also sort of part of our anniversary collection. Uh, I'm bringing back our very first pair of guests. I've got Regina Barry. Hello. And Louisa Heron. Hello. To talk about a television adaptation of our very first story that we covered, Candle Cove. Uh, the sci-fi channel is, has, uh, decided to air, um, the they're they're they launched a show called Channel Zero. Season one is going to be six episodes adapting Candle Cove, and season two, which is currently filming, is uh, adapting No End House. So I'll probably have people back to talk about that when that airs next year uh, after another fifty fifty episodes. Um, but. Uh, I'll cut this part out if it doesn't come true, but, uh, in a week or two, you'll be able to, uh, listen to this show to hear an interview with, uh, Channel Zero showrunner Nick Antosca, who has adapted Candle Cove for television. Um, and we're going to talk about that now. Um, who wants to get started? Uh, uh, Regina, it's been longer since you've been on the show. You can, uh, you can start us off with recapping, uh, what happened in the first episode of Channel Zero. Sure. Um, well, let's see. So we've got, um, this guy, Mike, who's a famous child psychologist. And it starts out with what I'm assuming is a nightmare of his, where we find out that he had an identical twin who um, was mysteriously murdered um, when they were both young. And then there's like a pretty terrifying sequence because it's a nightmare. Um, And then he goes back to his hometown for the first time in forever because of these nightmares. He wants to like poke around and try and solve these unsolvable murders. Um, 
and then so he meets up with some of his childhood friends um and there's also some cuts back to like um like his own childhood so so there's like flashbacks to him and his brother being bullied and there's there's also some flashbacks to him as an adult with blood on his arms um and as the episode goes on um we discover that um he and his friends were the ones who watched Candle Cove in 1988, which all coincided with the murders in his hometown. Um, we also discover that um, he had a psychotic break and was uh, institutionalized and has gone to his childhood home pretty immediately after getting out of the hospital. Um, and then one of his childhood friends, uh, their daughter who saw Candle Cove on their like shiny new flat screen when he was over to their house for dinner, uh, she goes missing. Um, and Mike had a sleepwalking episode the night before and they're like, Mike, where were you last night? And he dodges the question for some reason and he's like no it's the tv show which is like a great excuse if a child goes missing and you don't have an alibi to blame a tv show <laughs> um and then they they so then he's like he's like oh i have to go to the crow's nest i forget how he puts two and two together oh that's right their other kid who also sees candle cove i guess um is like what's the crow's nest and he's like aha so then he runs through the woods to um the the tv signal tower uh, in the forest, which is apparently where the bodies were found of the children who died in 1988, and he finds the girl, and she's fine, and she's just sitting there, and he's like, let's go home, and then they go home, and she was sitting by some rocks, and then the, the camera sort of stays on these rocks, and then this, like, spoiler alert, this horrifying tooth monster crawls up, <laughs> and she's left some teeth on the ground, and the monster, like, grabs the teeth, and I think that was the end of the episode, more or less. Am I leaving anything out? Uh, I feel like there might have been some wrap-up after that, but I don't know. Oh, yeah. we, do, uh, I be- we do find out what the thing with his psychotic break was. It, is it, he carved into his own arm, might come oh, yeah. home. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it seems like uh, the there's some element of this uh, TV show poisoning your mind. Um, yeah. There's, uh, cause his nightmares are, are all seemingly prophetic or, uh, and some of them seem to be related to, uh, the, the renamed skin taker who is now called Jawbone, uh, but still, um, they, they did a really good job because uh, in the original story, it's described like his jaw grinds from side to side, oh, like yeah. unhinged. Uh, and they did a really good job portraying that because we see bits and pieces of Candle Cove in this. Uh, and it see it's it's very accurate to that sort of like the puppet parts in Mr. Rogers type of creepy old puppet TV show. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean I mean for for me that was the highlight of the episode was that the 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 depictions of the Candle Cove show were like exactly how I imagined them more, more or less. They were like y- y- you know, you know for the most part especially like like the skin taker and just that creepy ass skeleton face just like appearing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like like that with that for me was like the most potent part of uh 
this this uh, TV series so far. Yeah, yeah. The uh, the it's it's interesting what they they adapted and what was changed because Mike Painter is the name of the initial poster in uh, the original story. He's Mike underscore Painter sixty five, mm-hmm. uh, implying that he's born in nineteen sixty five. And in the original story, Candle Cove aired for uh, two months in nineteen seventy two. So we've pushed forward. Uh, uh, 16 years to having it air in 88 uh, instead and also made Mike Painter a bit younger because mm-hmm. uh, he would be what, 7 when it aired in the original story and he's like 11 or 12 uh, when it oh, aired yeah, yeah, they're in like 12 the TV, on the TV show. show. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, that's an interesting choice because I think that kind of aims more towards their target audience of like 20 and 30 somethings, mm-hmm. um, rather than trying to make a TV show based on an internet story where the main character is in his 50s right. and having nostalgia about the early 70s. Um, yeah, that's a little, that's a little, uh, more difficult of a sell, I think. I, I feel like this type of show lasted uh, long enough that 88 doesn't seem too unusual. Yeah. yeah, I think it's about the end of the era of things not being documented online, really. Because I yeah. was, I'm older. I was nine years old in 1988. And yeah, there's things where you're, you could be like, hey, does anyone remember this local commercial? And maybe people don't. And maybe you can't find anything online about it either. And I feel right. like by... 90s, early 90s, mid 90s, by then, things were starting to be fully documented. So younger kids won't have that anymore going forward, like the, the things that aren't available at all online. Yeah, by the time by the time it was it hit like ninety, ninety one, ninety two, there was Usenet and stuff, and like adults were getting into the internet and being able to document uh, things like that. And now it's just all over. Like even uh, Crybaby Lane, uh, which we covered on the show, which was thought to be lost forever, uh, that only aired in like two thousand one, and still was like lost for so long but even with today's internet we found it because there's just everyone's online and there's always going to be someone out there who videotaped it back when um but yeah it was uh it's an interesting move um I guess I want to talk about some of the things that were almost directly quoted from the story, mm-hmm. uh, from the source material. Like, uh, the message board conversation is, is adapted more or less intact, uh, as a dinner party scene bet- with Mike and all his old friends. Yeah, um, I was, I was interested to see that when they were talking about the horrible things they remembered from the show. Uh, one of the characters, Jessica, I think, says she remembers uh, Jawbone saying, I want to take your skin or something like that. But her line is kind of cut off at the end by someone else talking. And that's the only mention of taking skin <laughs> in the show. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know if they're like, they're like switching it over to teeth for the more like, you know, glamorous Hollywood bullshit TV <laughs> show. Gotta go teeth instead of skin. Um, what was I going to say? No, um, I, I th- go ahead. Um, yeah. yeah I, I think, I think the, the thing 
thing that that kind of stuck out to me with that conversation was the end where um, the the one woman, Katie's mom, is is like, I remember this nightmare that I had where they were all screaming and someone was like, no, that was an episode. Like, I thought that played out really well with, yeah. with actors. Uh, yeah, he was like, that was an episode. And she says, no, it wasn't. Yeah. It was literally just screaming. It was my nightmare. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was, that was interesting because it's left inconclusive. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like they'll pick up on that later, probably. Yeah. I, um... Oh, I watched the like the the sizzle reel for the rest of the season, uh, and it looks like there's some like curtains made of skin at one point, and oh, like yeah. he has a nightmare about a kid that has no skin. So I think mm. we'll get into the skin taking. I hope. Well, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like in addition to uh the monster that is credited as Tooth Child uh will also be getting uh perhaps a human bad guy cuz when he encounters Jawbone/Skin Taker in the woods towards the end of the episode it's clearly just someone in like a crummy costume right cuz it's it's not as detailed as the one in his nightmare yeah um which has like uh articulated molded puppet bones and stuff this is just a guy in like a skeleton t-shirt and a mask right oh yeah also uh, I, I noticed where it's like he both times like he tries to like reach out and touch uh the yeah. jawbone like like against like like the, like the real life cosplay job jawbone i guess if you want to call it um and at first i was like why the hell are you doing that but then i realized like oh because he had a psychotic episode so i think he's trying to be yeah like figure out like what's like what's real and what's not and the, you're right the one in the woods was definitely like he was able to stab it so yeah. and he's yeah. sort of i guess like improving on his nightmare where like you, you feel out of control in a nightmare but in the real world he brought a knife <laughs> so, yeah yeah <laughs> thing. yeah it's uh it's interesting because the nightmares i think are some of the uh more visceral horror like that opening nightmare it's like a tv interview and it doesn't yeah. show its hand right away you don't realize it's a nightmare immediately uh but then like he gets a call on the phone from his brother uh like as a child and then he looks at the camera people and they're all just like doctor who style plastic dolls right. uh it's yeah that- it's very eerie and then there's like a weird flash of something where I'm not sure if it's I've seen this in a bunch of the trailers I'm not sure if it's going to end up being a memory or another nightmare of like a large uh, human shaped pile of hay burning oh in what God. looks like yeah. Yeah, yeah it looks like a hotel hallway or something yeah, yeah that was like like that was the scariest moment of the episode for me like I, I jumped out of my skin <laughs> that scared the shit out of me <laughs> yeah at the end yeah. here, he checks himself into a motel I was afraid we were going to see that right away yeah. but I guess we'll probably see that in the future <laughs> yeah cause like I, I don't know I, I thought there were I mean I, I don't watch a lot of like TV horror like I don't watch American Horror Story or anything like that but a lot of the story beats felt sort of um, overdone to me like it's like yeah. oh he just got out of the mental hospital oh he had a twin brother oh children getting murdered but that hay monster like that was <laughs> unlike anything I'd ever seen before yeah that was really good Actually, yeah I think part of uh, go ahead oh what we were just talking about at the opening of the show I, I kind of liked how cliched that was that's got to be like a movie and TV trope to have your all your exposition done by your main character being on like a news magazine show yeah yeah uh, yeah <laughs> like cover yeah all that the even beat. happens in like books like I think <laughs> the girl with the dragon tattoo opens with 
uh, like the main character being interviewed about all of his backstory. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, and there's a lot of the, um, the, I'm not crazy. Like there's no way to yell. I'm not crazy without seeming more crazy. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah just like scene. sweaty bug eye, just <laughs> slavering, yelling. I'm, I'm not crazy. You're all crazy. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of that in this episode. Uh, it's interesting. We don't find out right away that he was in the, um, that we, he was in the mental, uh, hospital until, uh, it's probably like halfway through the episode mm-hmm. when, uh, he's talking to his mom and we get the, uh, reenactment sort of, of the, the twist from the original story. Uh, he asks his mom, Hey, do you remember Candle Cove? Uh, and she's like, what? Uh, and then he's like, have you seen it since then? And she's like, what are you talking about? And yeah. then they kind of go on their way and she's like, Oh, by the way, which one of you made that show up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, uh, it was on TV. She's like, no, it wasn't. You guys just sat there and watched Static. Uh, and that was, like, it was, it would have had more, I, I understand how they had to structure it. Uh, it ju- it didn't have the same impact, but it still uh, was pretty creepy. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I still don't know how I feel about that scene being in the first episode like like uh, for me it was kind of, I don't know how you guys feel about this I was kind of disappointed because I felt like they used all the material from the original short story in the first episode yeah I was wondering mm. about that and they that didn't too. like draw it out at all I, I don't know to me that was kind of like I, I mean I guess maybe they figured that like everyone's read it so just like get it out of the way but I don't know for me that was kind of like oh they're doing it all right now okay I guess yeah I kind of felt yeah. the same way and then I I read about it afterwards the, the show but I was unclear before if each episode was supposed to be a different creepy pasta, but then I found out this is supposed to be the whole season. So yeah, I was a little confused too. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I was I was just reading about um No End House and the synopsis is like someone goes to No End House and then afterwards everything is weird. <laughs> yeah. and I'm like, okay, so I guess it's gonna like the trend is going to be that they're going to get through because creepypastas are short mm-hmm. uh, and they usually end mysteriously. So I imagine that if this show lasts more than these first two seasons, whatever stories they adapt in the future will be like, here's that whole story in the first episode uh, with some frame around it. And then we're going to explore the uh, like implications of the frame around it and like the rest of the unsolved mystery um which is an interesting way of doing it because uh i feel like straight adaptations would not work for most uh most creepypastas yeah unless it was an anthology where you only had to tell a story in half an hour or something yeah i i miss i want there to be like a twilight zone outer limits tales from the dark side style show tales from the crypt like one of those like even the new tales from the crypt they announced they're like yeah we're doing tales from the crypt it's going to be an anthology series and by anthology series we mean each season is going to be a single story right like no yeah I want every episode to just be like a 22 or 44 minute short film that will spook me out and then I don't have to watch any more of them. Right, right. (laughs) But I guess what you you need now in TV is engagement uh, because there's DVR and iTunes. uh, There's no impetus to have one-off episodes for anything. 
Yeah, yeah. I guess that, that doesn't encourage like binge watching if it's all like contained within one episode, which is a bummer because like I totally agree with you. I mean, like I don't. I, I mean, like, I watch some TV, but most of the things that I watch are, like, movies, just because, like, I like a story that can be told in two hours. You know, I don't, I don't like it to, like, like no. I can't, I can't, I can't, like, hold on to too many, like, like, sprawling plot lines at once. <laughs> like, I can only be engaged in, like, in, like, two or three TV series at, at a time, max. So, I, I don't know. I guess I'm just, like, a, like a grumpy old person and <laughs> can't keep well, up with, with the youth. <laughs> it's interesting, because I, I sort of take in entertainment exactly the opposite way, where uh, if I'm going to learn about these characters, I want to be with them for years. Like, if I want my commitment to be rewarded, so I prefer TV. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, I don't like the feeling, which I kind of got from this first episode, that it didn't have enough story to tell for six episodes, but it was going to make it last six episodes. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how it'll go. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's just about four and a half hours of content, which is uh significantly less than say True Detective, which was like a solid like ten to thirteen hour se- right. story. Uh and then mm-hmm. then they never made a second season and what's Vince Vaughn been up to lately? <laughs> yeah, nobody knows. Um <laughs> uh and so it's it's I'm glad that it's not a thirteen episode season because that has been the standard lately. Yeah. And mm-hmm. that's clearly like a network mandate and then the writers room has to be like oh god we have to fill so many hours with content but we do not have that much content and it would be very expensive to justify enough content to fill that time yeah yeah but like personally Uh i don't know that i'm really that invested in keeping up with channel zero just because of like the stories that were sort of like added into this like i'm like i'm not that interested in like oh, well, he was bullied as a kid, so maybe that's why they saw the TV show. Or, like, you know, mm-hmm. oh, he was in the mental in the mental ward. Like, what happened there? Like, I, like, I, don't, I don't know. That just, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm interested to see why the twin brother seems to have superpowers. Yeah, there was that, too, and I was just like, okay, I think I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I, the, the least interesting thing to me was the tooth child. I was like, mm, yeah, that's creepy, and you did a good job with the costume. And I'm glad that it's a costume and not a computer effect. Yeah. Uh, Mm. Because the Sci Fi Channel does not have the budget for computer effects. Uh, And the biggest problem with Stranger Things was that they had a computer generated monster that would have looked better as a costume. Yeah. Uh, Mm. (laughs) But, like, that still, I was like, "Mm, okay, that's creepy, but I'm more interested. Like, I I did become a little invested in the characters. I was like, I want to know how this, like, all these childhood friends are gonna, if they're ever gonna be able to trust Mike again, or if he's gonna find out what the deal with Candle Cove is. Yeah. Um, and I liked, uh, but, like, I don't know, maybe part of it is just my affection for the original story, because there's so many little call-outs to it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. like, uh, the... Oh, what was it? Oh, yeah, the title of the episode is You Have to Go Inside, mm-hmm. uh, which is the, the spooky line from the story, of course. Uh, and at the end, it just shows Mike and his brother. What's his brother's name? Willie Eddie. or Ed? Eddie? Eddie. Yes. Eddie. Ed, Ed, Eddie. Who knows? <laughs> uh, it, yeah, they're watching Candle Cove and, uh, Horace Horrible, 
uh, says to Pirate Percy, uh, the, the, you have to go, and, uh, it's the cave of bravery, you have to go test your courage, you have to go inside. And it's, like, really creepy and weird, plus yeah. the context of everything. Yeah, I liked that. that yeah, and there's that, like, that slow push in on the cave until you can't see anything else, but, like, you can kind of see, like, the fabric, like, the black fabric that they used to construct the cave. Yeah. That was pretty good. Yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, probably the most fascinating part to me is sort of how they took this almost like this silhouette of a TV show uh, like uh, it's the metaphor is getting lost as I'm trying to think of it <laughs> but it's like the people on the net nostalgia forum are sort of half misremembering this show and that's the only real description we get of it uh yeah. from the original mm-hmm. story yeah. and yet somehow this tv show while just blankly flatly directly putting candle cove in front of us still like pretty much captured it like right on yeah i thought it was good we see pirate percy and i went back to read the story to check and they mentioned that he had like a porcelain doll's head instead of like a puppet head and they thought that was weird in in the story oh. and then in the show yeah you see him with a weird porcelain head that's right. so dirty and it, it, you have a weird like i felt after it was like was it really that dirty that seems weird like i was misremembering it already yeah as soon as i saw horace horrible i was like oh yeah because they described him as just being like uh, like a mustache over a giant like rictus smile yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, that that whole like those little sequences are so creepy and cool that I'm uh I've kind of given like the benefit of the doubt to the the frame narrative. Uh but also I don't know if I'm going to be able to watch the rest of it cuz the pilot was free on Sci-Fi, but I don't know if any other episodes are going to be streaming anywhere for free. Oh, you're right. <laughs> uh cuz yeah, I went on like Google Play and uh iTunes and stuff and it's free everywhere cuz they want people to watch the show because they gave it a not even direct to series uh but direct to two seasons uh order because yep. <laughs> i guess when you're uh the sci-fi channel and you don't have a lot of original programming you can just be like yeah sure yeah yeah you can take a month in canada and shoot a show <laughs> yeah yeah pretty much yeah, yeah. this did uh it did shoot in uh winnipeg actually i think Yep, that was it. Uh, yeah, no end house is shooting right now in Winnipeg. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's interesting because, like, actually, I guess it's not any more than a full season of a show because it's only 12 episodes for two seasons worth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. And, yeah, like, you just use the same crew and spend, like, do like a th- uh, month long shoot six months apart and you have two seasons of a TV show. <laughs> yeah, it's smart. It's already raising their profile because a lot of people have been talking about this show. Yeah. 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 I mean, it does come with a built in audience. I mean, we're talking about it. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we talked about it a year ago when we did the first episode of this show because right. it was like just announced. It was announced back then, mm-hmm. and uh, it's. Uh, I think the Candle Cove was originally published in two thousand nine. Um, and I talked with Chris when he was on the show about this a little bit. Uh, he never meant for it to spread virally, but just because of the format of the story, it did. Um, and then it, instead, rather than 
trying to like rein it back in and get control of like his ownership of the story, he just sold the intellectual property to a production company. Um, and cause I think, uh, at the time that he made the deal, there was like a Brazilian channel that was about to try and do an adaptation of Candle Cove. And he was like, mm, no, like I don't have the, the lawyers to stop this. So I'm just going to sell it to a production company and let it be their problem. <laughs> oh, well, good for him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's, it's, it's an interesting way. Um, I think Slenderman dealt with a similar thing where the, creator was like uh i don't want to be responsible for all of these like derivatives and adaptations based on my copyright protected character so i'm just going to sell it to a production company mm -hmm. uh yeah that's uh that's gonna be something interesting going forward with creepypasta and adaptations is trying to find who wrote it like if you want to adapt it yeah <laughs> yeah i you know i don't know how i feel about about that kind of stuff because like uh, on, on one hand, I don't, I, I, I really don't like, you know, corporations making a product that they can profit off of, just kind of like mining something that people are doing for, for fun and just to sort of like build community with other people on the internet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I'm not really comfortable with that, but also like, I mean, I, but I also like the idea of like, of like these stories and this like online culture and all this, you know, all, all like, like, like the stories and the meat and the accompanying like media and fan art and like all this stuff kind of building up without, you know, creators, you know, having to go into like, you, you know, selling the, the intellectual property to a production company or worrying about, you know, and just sort of having it be, having it be this like organic cultural thing. But I guess it's like ju just the way that like our society is set up with like how we consume and produce media it's like you can't have both like like either it's going to be completely you know open source for lack of a better word or it's going to be protected from you know large corporations taking advantage of it mm -hmm. yeah. yeah i think it's i, I think it's got to be like uh, uh like i i just i i like seeing creators get that get that paper uh that's yeah. nice to see them to yeah. see them get paid uh but yeah it, it does it is a little weird when we're in this like we're essentially in an indefinite copyright world because Disney does not want to give up the copyright on Mickey Mouse so they uh, continually extend the copyright uh, I think the next time it gets extended is 2020 oh my god <laughs> uh, when did Walt Disney die because it's uh, 75 years after he died is the next time we're looking forward to copyright being extended <laughs> uh, yeah I'm not sure I think it was sometime in the 60s Early? maybe yeah maybe like the end of the 60s uh, sure. Yeah, because every time we come up on the deadline of the anniversary of uh, Walt Disney's death is when the copyright gets extended because of uh, <laughs> Mickey Mouse. I, um, I would love if the third series of Channel Zero is abandoned by Disney, but they have to make everything uh, like a little off-brand. <laughs> abandoned by Crimsy. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Rocky oh, Rat took his head off. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's another interesting thing is so many creepypastas are like, what if SpongeBob blood and knives? <laughs> yeah. So they're not they're not gonna be able to do like any of those. Right. Uh, although I guess they wouldn't because Candle Cove is sort of the ultimate lost episode creepypasta. Yeah, that's true. It's, 
It's it's about a whole lost TV show. There's no need to do uh, Squidward Suicide if you've got uh, Candle Cove already done. Uh, but Abandoned by Disney is... That would be an interesting one because I feel like so much of that is dependent on, oh, it's Mickey Mouse doing all this gross stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that why um, things like Felix the Cat were invented in the first place? Yeah, pretty much. The uh, Captain Marvel, the Shazam guy, not the one from Marvel Comics. Uh, DC Comics successfully sued Fawcett Comics back in the 40s because Captain Marvel had similar superpowers to Superman. <laughs> <laughs> like, they could not publish that comic anymore, and then DC bought them out. <laughs> <laughs> It's like we that would never happen today. You could have like like Superman put the S's backwards and DC wouldn't be able to touch you. Yeah. <laughs> uh wait, no, that's just bizarro. <laughs> uh like any there's no you can have the thinnest veneer of uh original character do not steal and there's nothing they can do it's like the the i'm not touching you of copyright <laughs> uh anyway i think that's all we have to say on on channel zero right i liked a lot uh, of the symbolism of the things that you saw in quick flashes like at one point uh mike sees i guess in a flashback he sees himself and another kid standing at the edge of a cliff by the crow's nest and that other kid like tips over the edge and just falls oh yeah but oh see i thought that was a literal memory because he saw like several kids falling and then there kept being that flash of all the kids in the tree yeah but i i, I think he might have been there when those kids died yeah i was wondering about that too but i was wondering who that kid was and we don't know yet and it wasn't wearing a green jacket like eddie was so i guess mm. it wasn't meant to be eddie but it might have been. And they did say that the kids, when they were found in the tree, didn't have their teeth, so... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting, because the, the girl was missing just, like, two teeth, uh, so I don't know, like, the the tooth child, I guess, takes time to steal the teeth. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's so... I, I, it's, I'm a sucker for a mystery, so I'm probably gonna end up, like, buying this on Google Play or whatever if I can't stream it somehow legally for free. <laughs> I also really like the symbolism of of, um, in in a couple of flashbacks close together, you see Eddie holding a hay hook, and then in another oh, yeah. shot, you oh, see right. him on the ground. He's obviously still conscious, still alive, but he's got that hook jabbed into his torso. And I like that. I guess we don't know where that came from, that hook, because that's a hook that you would use to bale hay, or you could use it in forestry, and they do live near the woods, or longshoremen use that. So, <laughs> or if you're a candy man, you would use one. <laughs> but I like that uh, it's applicable to where they live. So maybe it's just a regular everyday thing, or it's something like a longshoreman would use. So maybe it's from Candle Cove somehow. Yeah, I, I, think that's I, this... I just kind of figured that it was like part of like a pirate costume, like like hook hand kind of thing. Mm. But mm. I guess it has an actual practical use. Thank you, Louisa. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that's the same thing in one of the trailers we see Mike possibly possessed by Candle Cove raising that and about to like swing it down on the back of a child's head mm. uh, before like there's a tasteful cutaway to another spooky scene. <laughs> um, so I feel like that hook is going to come back or I was mistaken and it wasn't that hook in the trailer. It was some other object that he's going to bludgeon a child with. <laughs> yeah. 
Only time will uh, tell. So let's let's do our spookiest parts, Regina. Oh my god! Um, hay on fire, monster in hallway. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a good one, Louisa. How about you? Uh, I think that was probably the part that scared me most as well. But I also very much like the tooth child because it's one of those things where you take it for granted. Like, yes, being covered in teeth or thinking about teeth, disembodied teeth is very creepy. But to see it and to hear it, like, it really does hit you in a visceral way you didn't quite expect. <laughs> uh, I think the spookiest part for me is the nightmare in the middle of the episode that has Jawbone just, like, standing next to Mike bed while while the TV like turns on by itself all fuzzy. Mm, yeah. Uh, that that part was very unsettling. It had a very like um uh what do they call it? Sleep paralysis type of feel. Mm-hmm. Or mm-hmm. um what was the movie with that? The conjuring? Is that the one? I think The Conjuring is the one that deals with like a sleep paralysis type of haunting, uh, but I haven't seen it, but I'll probably see it at some point during my Halloween movie marathon. Um, yeah, you should. It's anyway, really good. Yeah, uh, I'm a little shaky on it because uh, the Warrens are uh, total scumbags, so like seeing a movie that is about them um. being actual demon hunters is a little weird to me. Because <laughs> um, they're the they're the Amityville people, yeah, yeah, uh, who perpetrated that whole scam. Um, so it'll be it's interesting. Uh, I don't know all it's the trailers for cast, like I have to say I, I I was really impressed by it. Yeah, I'll probably watch that one because I saw bits and pieces of it from the documentary about sleep paralysis called The Nightmare, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm like, ooh, that looks spooky. Uh, oh yeah, anyway. I, couldn't, I couldn't get through that. <laughs> it's too scary. Oh, uh, that that was probably the scariest movie I watched last month when I watched a horror movie every day, and it's just literally a documentary with like bad special effects, but it's so effective. Yeah. Mm. Um. Anyway, let's uh, let's get into plugs. Louisa, do you have anything you want to plug? Um, I would like to plug my other podcast called Seeing Reddit, and Jeff is also involved in that, so... That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. And that's about it. Regina, how about you? Um, okay, so I've got two plugs. Um, one is please check out my film blog called Consistent Panda Bear Shape, pandabearshape.com. Um, it is a blog about representation of fat people in cinema. Um, I am going to a horror movie marathon this weekend and then next weekend I'm spending a few days at the Chicago International Film Festival so I'm hoping to have some good like anthology posts coming up for the for the remainder of the month um, and then the, my second plug is um, my partner Patrick uh, does a podcast called Tracks of the Damned where he creates commentary tracks for you to watch along with your favorite horror movies um, and uh, this month he is doing the Scream series, and since I am the Gail Weathers to Dewey Riley, um, I'm going to be featured on the Scream 3 episode. Mm, nice. Yeah, so it's going to be fun. Uh, I'll uh, I'll put links to all that stuff in the blog post, uh, which you can find at weaponizedlanguage.com along with my other podcasts, Seeing Reddit and Someone's PC, a Pokemon podcast, <laughs> uh, both of which co-star Louisa. Yeah. You forgot uh, about that for a second, I can hear it. <laughs> They're primarily about Yokai Watch. Uh, 
<laughs> and uh, you can subscribe on iTunes. Oh, rate and review us on iTunes. People don't do that. Uh, go to go to Redbubble and look up Creepypodsta. Uh, buy t-shirts. I really like the t-shirts. I haven't bought one myself because they're kind of pricey. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe some of my listeners make more money than I do. Who knows? <laughs> um, uh, oh, you'll pro- I'll probably put a thing at the beginning, but if I forget to, you go watch the first episode of Channel Zero on SciFi.com or iTunes or Google Play. Uh, it's totally free. You don't have to steal it. Uh, I don't recommend pirating things. That's genuinely, that's not like a wink, like, don't pirate it, but I'll never tell. Like, really, don't pirate things. Pay for, uh, as John Hodgman says, uh, pay the people who create things in the way that they would like you to do so. Uh, or rather, support the people who create things in the way they would like you to do so. Because, uh, uh, like, uh, that's, I don't know. I'll get off my soapbox about it. Just go do it. Um, uh, follow me on Twitter, J3FK, Instagram, and Snapchat, uh, JeffJK. Um, that's all for this episode. You have to go inside. Ah. <laughs>